I loved hearing those stories from John and Debbie and the Compassion Guys earlier about ways that you are being a generous church. And uh, there are loads more examples. Um, for example, one couple, James and Izzy, um, who are in shielding isolation mode at the moment because their son is severely asthmatic. They have been blown away by their small group has um, committed to sort of supporting them um, through this. They've been doing shopping errands, um, dropping off medication for them, even picking up pet food. Amazing. Another story came from two of our student group leaders, Thomas and Bethany. They said, we gave out Easter eggs and cards to all 45 flats in our community. And one lady responded saying that she just had a long day working in the QMC and the kind gesture brought her to tears. It's been heartwarming the way that we've recently been able to harness our resources, our buildings, our volunteers, our staff to kind of get involved in the issue of food provision around the city. And financially, we've been able to assign, I think, £50,000 from our set-apart funds for emerging needs in the city and beyond. Um, we've been able to send gifts to Alpha UK as they're pioneering an initiative in the midst of all of this. And to our friends Kat and Mary at Love the One in India. We've also been able to um, put a, a substantial um, sum from our regular uh, monies to one side to be available for emergency needs that kind of emerge amongst people in the church at this time. And of course, all of these things, they're only possible because of the way that so many of you give so generously. Today, we're continuing a sermon series based in the book of Acts, chapter two, looking at um, a passage all about the characteristics of the early church. And today, our theme is Acts of Generosity. So Acts two, chapter, uh, verse 42. <clears throat> They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And listen to this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The early church were just so generous. As you read through the book of Acts, you see that they were, they were radically generous. For example, in chapter 4. They're selling property and land to give to people in the church who had needs. They were spontaneously generous. Um, in chapter 11, when a famine break, broke out, they, they gave generously. And they were habitually generous. For example, going out each week to feed um, the marginalised widows in the community in chapter 6. And I think that their example illustrates that if we want to be a church that sort of like reflects the generosity of Jesus to the world, we need to embrace these same generous virtues. If our generosity isn't committed and radical like theirs, then it's too superficial to really point to Jesus. And if we're not able to be spontaneous in our generosity, then we can't respond with, with compassion to the needs that emerge around us as Jesus does. And of course, if our generosity is not committed and habitual, then it runs the risk of being tokenistic and it can't have any long-term meaningful impact. Now to embrace all of these three in the way that they did is obviously quite a challenging thing for a church to do. Why would we want to do that? Well, my high-tech visuals here, I've got three reasons. Because generosity helps the world see Jesus, it lays up eternal rewards, and also it's how we were made to be. And we're gonna start here. I don't know if you've ever noticed how much fun it is to be 
generous. A little while ago, um, a friend of ours was stuck in hospital for some time without an internet connection on their phone. And so I went to my go-to IT consultant, my seven-year-old son, Barney, and uh, we went to a phone shop and picked up some gadget that we thought might help. We took it along to the QMC and when we arrived, he was like, Dad, I, I feel so excited. It feels great. And I was like, what, going into a hospital? And he was like, no, doing something for someone is making me feel happy. And we all know that feeling, don't we? It's because we were designed to reflect God's generous character. And this is why, you know, whether a person is a believer or not, when we, when we do something that's generous, it makes us feel great because we are kind of like operating the way we are designed to operate. We're operating kind of at our resonant frequency as humans and our soul kind of hums with approval. So generosity is how we made to be. It also, it stores up treasures for us in heaven. In 1 Timothy chapter six, it says, command those who are rich in this present world, which many of us in the West are, not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, for eternity. Um, I don't know about you, right now, a lot of us are dusting off um, the board games in the lockdown. Um, this is including the classic Monopoly. This is our junior edition we've been playing a lot of. And this kind of like, okay, it kind of strikes me as an illustration of, of what this is talking about. The game Monopoly, we play along, don't we, accumulating wealth. Um, but of course, no matter how enthusiastically we play, at the end of the game, you don't, don't get to keep uh, the money. You don't get to keep those little hotel things. You certainly can't claim that you own King's Cross Station for real, because all that happens is all of that stuff, at the end of the game, it just goes back in the box. And all that we're left with is the memory of how we played that game. And in the same way, in this life, at the end of it all, all that's left is the record of how we played this game, how we lived this life. And the only things that we take with us on to eternity are the things that we read about here, the acts of generosity, of kindness, compassion, sharing. And for these things, it says that we will be recorded, rewarded, sorry, according to our willingness to be generous with the things that God places in our hands. Thirdly, and I think most importantly, generosity helps the world see Jesus. Uh, a little while ago, um, actually no, in Acts chapter four, um, verses 32 and to 35, this passage is fascinating, I think. The yellow bits that you can see there, they're all about um, the way the church was generous. And in the middle, in that green bit, that's about how they shared the message of Jesus with people, told people about Jesus. And it's funny how the gospel message, kind of like the evangelism, comes packaged in all this stuff about generosity. And I think that's apt because we can't tell the world without, about Jesus without showing them his sacrificial, selfless generosity. When we handle our money and our possessions in a way that's kind of like counterculturally generous, it stops people in their tracks and it points to Jesus. Like a little while ago, um, uh, years ago, I had a neighbor who I befriended who was experiencing some hardship and uh, we wanted to help him out, but we ourselves had some like financial constraints at the time. And so we were sort of like, oh, I wish we could do more. And then one day I read in Acts, that passage in Acts two, they sold property and possessions 
to give to anyone in need. And I thought, oh, I wonder about, I wonder if I've never thought about doing that. And I remembered that I had a gold sovereign coin that I'd inherited years before it was in a drawer somewhere. And so I went to him and I said, hey, what if we sold my coin and used it to pay some of your bills? And so we did that. And it was just a gesture, really, but it really opened up our relationship. It led onto conversations about faith and about prayer, He, um, which go on to this day. He came to church, he did Alpha, got to know some of you guys, experienced your generosity. Uh, it's amazing. Anyway, a little while later, our car engine blew up. And as I say, we were a bit stretched at the time and a friend of ours generously gave us a car. And I remember my neighbor, he, he asked me one day, oh, how much did you pay for that car? And so I said to him, well, actually, somebody gave it to us. It was a gift. And I remember he, he, he looked at the car and you're clearly thinking for a moment. And then he said, was this one of your Christian friends? And I thought, he's seeing it. He's seeing that that's how it works. That when the church behaves as it should, the world sees the generous generosity of Jesus in our acts. So before we go, I just wanna encourage you to consider perhaps which of these qualities, virtues of generosity might God be prompting you to engage with right now? It might be spontaneous generosity. In Acts 11, we read about how when a believer called uh, Agabus prophesied about a large famine that was coming, uh, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea, and this they did. When famine hit, the early church stepped up to the plate. And right now, in this situation, it's our turn. There are needs emerging all around us. In our city, the food banks are under pressure. Around the world, people like Kat and Mary in India love the one. There are needs all over the place and here on our streets. Um, it might be, you know, fetching shopping for our neighbours or just dropping treats through the door to let them know that somebody cares. It might be something more substantial, like offering to support somebody who, who we know is struggling financially for the next few months. The world needs the Jesus-shaped generosity of the church right now more than ever. And I wonder what could we each do? Now, one helpful verse to note here, I think, in that passage was that each one responded to the famine as they were able. And some of us are in a position to be more or less giving in terms of what we have in our hands than others. This topic of generosity, of course, is, is perhaps a sensitive one or a difficult one for many people who are facing financial pressure right now. You might be, you might be there, you might be worried about your job. If that's you, I don't wanna place any sort of sense of burden on you. And in fact, just wanna remind you of that, that link that we mentioned earlier is a place that you can let us know if you need help. But there'll be others who aren't in that position and who are able to kind of like embrace this opportunity um, to push into radical generosity. Um, right now, some people, perhaps in our church, their income might have dropped. But for others, you might, your income might not have dropped, but you might have noticed that your outgoings have dropped recently because like all the shops are shut. And it kind of begs the question, well, what about if we, what could we do with some of that slack? What if we use that to bless those who perhaps are in need right now. I heard an amazing story um, from the church about a couple who, um, they have an, a self-employed friend who's been hugely impacted by the virus outbreak recently, and they were praying about it, and they felt prompted by God to offer uh, their friend a gift of 1,000 pounds. And so they did that. 
And they wrote and they said, uh, we, we transferred the money to her on Thursday. And today, just three days later, we received a call from a family member. They themselves had received some unexpected interest on an investment. And they called, they were calling to let us know that they would be giving us, you guessed it, £1,000. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? But just a little caveat here. This isn't the way it works every single time. So, you know, for example, if you give somebody a grand and then God doesn't send you the money back in three days time, please don't email me complaining, complaining because it's not a formula. It's not how it works. But it is surprising how often these things do happen because God loves radical generosity and he longs to reward it. Sometimes the reward is like immediate and tangible, like in that scenario. Sometimes it's less tangible the way he rewards us or the reward comes later. But what is sure we read in the Bible is that he will re reward us for these good deeds. Finally, habitual generosity. It's been wonderful seeing God spark acts of spontaneous generosity in the midst of this situation. And I want to ask, when this is over, do we want to just go back to normal? Or could this be a time to trigger and build rhythms of habitual generosity in our lives. Loads of the things that we do as a church to, to serve others around us, trend compassion, the soup run, feeding the homeless, uh, blessing the community projects, overseas stuff, all of that wonderful stuff. We're only able to do it in the way that we do because of the wonderful regular generosity of those of you who give so generously to the church each month. And I want to talk about that for a moment. And as I do that, before I do, I just want to mention if you are here and you're exploring faith at the moment, or if you're, you know, you're not yet committed to, to Trent as your church, I just want to be clear that there's no expectation on you with this one. Um, and that's because we don't want to cause any confusion about the fact that God loves you unconditionally. And, and he, you don't have to pay a penny for his love, his forgiveness. He wants to give you a new life. And it's all a, a free gift that we call grace. But for those of you who have made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to see generosity not as a way to kind of, um, sort of earn God's love and favour, but to respond to his love in your life. I remember when I first became a Christian, I sort of experienced this. I remember I, was a, I heard a talk at a student weekend away about this, this principle that's uh, there in the Old Testament and it's evident in the teaching of Jesus about this thing called tithing, the practice of giving a portion of your income, often 10% to the church. And at the time, um, my I didn't have much income, but my outgoings weren't that high either. And so, uh, you know, it was quite a, an easy time to kind of start it, so I did. And looking back, it has to be the best financial decision that I've ever made. Because over the years, it's proved to be the most effective way of sort of um, conquering the power that money has to take hold of my heart. And whilst it has meant that, that I have at sometimes had to pass up a bit of material comfort, in turn, it's offered opportunities for God to demonstrate his provision and, dem and generosity in our lives in often unexpected and, and amazing ways. But best of all, it's given me a confidence and a hope that through investing and giving to the church, uh, and all the wonderful things and ministries the church does, I've been able to invest at least some of my resources in something of eternal worth, God's kingdom. Right now, with all this stuff going on, we're becoming aware that all the stuff that we like invest materially in this world, the, it's kind of all gone a bit like that, hasn't it? 
And perhaps it's revealing to us that the only place where our investments are truly sound and secure is in the kingdom of God. And so for some of us today, it might be that God's prompting you to look at your habitual generosity. Now, um, I haven't got time to go into enormous detail about where that 10% number comes from right now, because it's a short talk. Um, but um, I will say that it's um, it works in practice as a number, and it's a number that has a sort of a, a biblical basis and is a helpful guideline. But at the same time, I like those words in Acts chapter 11, where the early church gave to the famine each as they were able. That's what it's all about. So if you're new, for example, that 10% number might seem a bit daunting. Whilst for others, perhaps if you have more at your disposal, you've been given for some time, you might want to sort of push beyond that figure. It's important to pray about it either way and give just simply as you feel led and as generously as you are able. And, uh, and, and again, another thing is that if you're part of another church community, we would encourage you to give to that church family. You can find more about why and how to give at trentv.org slash give. So, as I close, um, in Acts chapter 11, Paul quotes some famous words of Jesus where he says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In their actions, the early church demonstrated that they really believed those words. And right now, in this situation, the question for us is, do we? Do we?